special people. Oh, thank you for that beautiful in introduction, uh, Father. And it's really just my joy uh, to, to be here. I, my, my most recent book, Remembering God's Mercy uh, on Healing of Memories, is a book uh, that I wrote um, largely with veterans in mind. Uh, my previous uh, book uh, was, uh, was called um, My Peace I Give You, Healing Sexual Wounds with the Help of the Saints. And it's on uh, healing uh, from uh, the spiritual wounds uh, of childhood sexual abuse through the lives of saints who suffered abuse and found a healing in Christ. And uh, that, uh, I wrote that book because I'm uh, a survivor of abuse m myself who found healing in Christ. And uh, when my piece I give you came out, I heard from many readers who said that they, uh, that, that they wanted me to write another book that would be like it, but wouldn't be just uh, limited to readers who had suffered abuse. They wanted a book that they could share with friends and families who perhaps hadn't suffered abuse but had suffered other traumas uh, that had left them with spiritual wounds uh, that for, for which they needed healing. And so uh, I thought in writing this particularly of, of <laughs> veterans, uh, because my own wounds um, have left me with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, and uh, from what I've read about PTSD, uh, the uh, effects of it are very similar regardless of whether uh, it uh, uh, was uh, caused by abuse or by war. So uh, I feel close to veterans uh, and I greatly admire veterans and I'm grateful to you all for your service uh, to, uh, to uh, this country. Um, when I began teaching uh, recently at uh, Oscott, the uh, seminary of the Archdiocese of Birmingham, uh, England, uh, where I'm teaching men who are studying for the priesthood, as I would learn a bit about the British government, the court system, everything I learned just makes me think, I'm so glad I'm an American, I'm so glad I can come back to, to America where the, where, the, where the leader of the country has to follow what the Supreme Court says, not the case uh, in England, and, and where uh, a defendant is innocent until proven guilty, again, not the case. Uh, in England and other uh, parts of the world. And I know that these freedoms are because of, of men and women like yourselves who have really put your lives out on the line for that. So I'm very grateful. Uh, this is actually my second time speaking to uh, people who, who uh, are or have, have been in the military. My first time was this past January when I got to speak at the at the Most Holy Trinity Chapel at West Point. Um, I don't know if we have any West Point uh, grads here, uh, but that was certainly uh, a high point for, for me, getting to speak there, and, and, and now a new high point here as, as well. So uh, the, way, the way this talk will run is that uh, I'm going to uh, share, share with you a bit of the 
wisdom uh, from remembering God's mercy and also uh, after telling you a, um, a couple of uh, a couple of stories here based on um, prayers of St. Uh, Ignatius Loyola, prayers that I've found uh, to be uh, personally healing. Uh, I'll also share with you uh, a recent um, experience that I had in my own life where uh, some insights that came to me through prayer and through uh, meditating upon uh, the words of one of the Gospels, the Gospel of John, helped me uh, to attain a new level of healing. And I speak in terms of levels of healing because healing is, is a process. And I think that's something that um, that people in general and unfortunately sometimes also um, Christians are guilty of um, forgetting that healing is a process because uh, we live in a world of instant gratification where, you know, if I want a, uh, a uh, cappuccino, non-fat, decaf, double shot, you know, wh whatever, I can go and get that immediate, immediately. Um, and, you know, we're being in America, we have access to supermarkets and and drug stores uh, uh, where we can get anything we want. If we can't find it there, it's all on the internet. And so we, we have this um, consumer culture that I think has unfortunately um, infiltrated our approach to to healing. Um, and moreover, uh, among Christians, and even I would say among some Catholics, um, sometimes we read parts of the Bible, but not all of it. So we read the parts of, of the Bible where there are these miraculous healings, where, where Jesus he heals people according to, to their faith. And some people will say, well, see, that means that, that if, you're, if, if you have enough faith, you'll be healed instantly. Uh, but when we read those parts of the Bible, it's important to also read parts of the Bible uh, like uh, like Second uh, Corinthians, uh, I believe it's uh, chapter uh, 12, where uh, Saint Paul uh, speaks about. Yes, it is chapter chapter 12, where uh, he Saint Paul has been speaking about some um, visions that he that he had, which were which were you know he had an experience of being taken up to taken up to, to, to heaven, but then he says, and to keep me from being too elate, elated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. So he's saying that to keep him from just having both feet in heaven, um, there was something uh, that was given to, to him um, that w caused him to, to feel pain and to be brought back down to, to earth. Uh, we don't know if it was spiritual pain, physical pain, both. Some people say that it might be that uh, St. Paul had an, had an eye uh, pro problem because there are some indications that he had a problem with his eyes. But St. Paul says, three times I besought the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will 
all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, you know, when we read the stories about the miraculous healings, which are true, which are part of our faith, we also have to read that not every weakness, not every illness is, it, it, it receives that instant healing. But what we know is that, uh, as St. Paul learned, there is grace in, in, in our weakness. There is grace in our, in our suffering. And, and if we, and this is what I've learned and uh, what I uh, seek to share in, in my books about how to make contact with that, with that grace so that um, no matter whether uh, with the right kind of spiritual, psychological help we re receive relief or if we don't have all the relief that we seek, we can still get to a better place, a better and more peaceful place. Uh, I want to remember to tell you before I go on that uh, I have 20 copies of um, Remembering God's Mercy here and um, I uh, brought uh, these uh, to, uh, to give away to residents. So when I'm done uh, speaking in about, um, about uh, 25 minutes or so, um, and af after, the, any, after I answer also any questions you might have, I'll be delighted to autograph these and just, and just give them to any uh, residents who would like them. I ask that anyone who's not a resident, please buy one. You can, you can <laughs> find it <laughs> from, from you know, wherever fine books are sold. But it's a, it's a joy for me to, uh, to, give, to give them to residents because, I mean, it's, it's the least I can do. You put your lives out there for, for our country, for our, our freedom, and to be able to share my work with you is, is a, a real blessing for me. So I'll tell you a little uh, about, about this book and how I came to write it. Uh, I mentioned to you that I had been asked after writing my piece I gave you, Healing Sexual Wounds with the Help of the Saints, to write something more generally on healing. And so uh, I thought of writing about uh, the approach to spiritual healing taken by the Jesuits. And the inf uh, inspiration for this was our first Jesuit Pope, uh, Pope Francis, and something that he said in an early uh, interview that he gave towards the beginning of his papacy. Uh, he said that, let's see, this is the one with my bookmarks here. He said that, because he was asked what was his favorite method of, of prayer. And he said, uh, prayer for me is always a prayer full of memory, of recollection, even the memory of my own history. And, and I, I was uh, intrigued by this because I thought, well, if um, memory is so important for Pope Francis, that his prayer is a prayer full of memory, then I need to find out um, what he means by this. And uh, he added in that same, in that same uh, interview, he gave uh, some clues as to what he meant because he said that it was the, me it was the memory of which St. Ignatius Loyola speaks. 
in the first week of Ignatius's spiritual exercises. Uh, so uh, Ignatius Loyola was the founder of the Jesuits, and uh, he wrote these spiritual exercises, which is a series of meditations. Uh, he originally wrote them uh, for a person to make on a month-long uh, retreat, um, but uh, in this modern day and age, we don't quite always have a month to, to make retreats, so they've been um, condensed by different uh, interpreters so that it's possible to make these spiritual exercises or some variation of them in a few days or eight days. But originally, the prayers were, the exercises were written so that in the first week, uh, in the first week that you meditate on certain spiritual topics, second week different, different topics, and, and so on. And since Francis said that the memory that he had in mind was particularly that of the first week of the exercises, I studied the prayers of the first week of the exercises in writing this, and I found um, two prayers that were very helpful to me personally, and I talk about these prayers in the first chapter of Remembering God's Mercy. Uh, the, one of them is called the Sushipe, which comes from the Latin word for uh, receive, which is uh, the first uh, word of the, the prayer. Um, and bef before I tell you how the sushi pay goes, I should tell you a little of the background of how Ignatius of Loyola came to, to write it. Uh, Ignatius, before his conversion, uh, he had different types of uh, experiences of, of trauma. Um, I would say uh, that his first, um, certainly life-changing hardships came when he was uh, just a, a baby. His mother died. Uh, he, he, he was born uh, actually in, um, in 1491, and so he came from a, a noble fa family uh, in Spain, and when his mother died, his father did what noble fathers would do, which is to, to uh, send his, his uh, infant son uh, away to be raised by a, by a wet nurse. Now that wasn't a cruel thing to do in those days, that was actually loving at that time, but it must not have been easy for Ignatius to have that loss of his mother, then to be away from his father, away from the family home. Uh, when he uh, when he grew up, he became um, he, he became rambunctious and rebellious. I mean, we can honestly say when speaking of Saint Ignatius Loyola that that here's a saint who has an arrest record. He used to get rowdy with his with his friends, and he and he was rich, so he could get away uh, with uh, with stuff, um, and. Uh, then he um, eventually, out of just this vain desire to gain fame, he became uh, a mercenary, uh, and so would, would be he would hire himself out to to armies. Uh, but uh, as a soldier, though he was distinguished uh, for uh, for for br bravery, he, he put his whole heart into it, and uh, he. Um, 
he was uh, felled, uh, ultimately, I mean felled, not killed, but his soldier career as a soldier came to an end when he was, um, when he was defending uh, the city of Pamplona against a siege by the, by the French, and he was shot in the legs by a cannonball, um, and that'll, that'll do it, I think. <laughs> and uh, interestingly, the French soldiers so admired him that when they, like, that when they, you know, cart, carted him away, they gave him, like, the best, the best medical help. They were just impressed, because he was, he was the last man s standing on that, on, on, on that, uh, uh, on the walls of the city until he got, got uh, taken down. Um, and so eventually he made it back to his, to his uh, family castle, where he was uh, laid, laid low and had to go through painful surgeries to fix his legs. Uh, he asked his sister for some uh, courtly romances to read because he, he loved uh, fiction. He had a very active imagination. Uh, but his sister was rather pious and only had a life of Christ and book of the saints. Uh, so he would lie in bed, he'd read the life of Christ and the book of the saints, which, which excited him because th there were books of saints doing hard things, uh, of saints who, well like St. Saint, Saint Francis who, who tried to who, who, went, who went to the Holy Land to try to convert the Muslim Sultan, and, and uh, St. Dominic, who, who, um, who founded a, an order of preachers who would wander uh, barefoot, be make, um, making their sub sustenance by begging. So Ignatius was intrigued by these stories of, of people doing hard things, but he also um, was, um, had his own romantic ideals about um, about wanting to, once he was well, to court this noble lady. Uh, and I, he started to notice, actually, while he was, uh, while he was recovering, that um, whereas, whereas he would feel good when he was fantasizing about courting this noble lady, and he would feel good when he was um, thinking about the things that he might do if he were like St. Francis or St. Dominic, after he would have those fantasies about courting the no noble lady, he would feel dry and empty. Whereas after he had those fantasies about doing like St. Francis or St. Dominic, he would still feel happy. And so uh, through that, he began to let God use his imagination. He began to give his imagination over to thoughts of God. And that changed him, and he emerged once he was able to walk again, not wanting to, you know, to walk over to, to you know, this noble lady's castle and court her, but instead wanting to, uh, to become like Saint Francis, Saint Saint Dominic, and to, to be a, a holy man, to be a saint, and and so, in the uh, year after his conversion, because that that really was when he, when he converted or really um, accepted, owned the Catholic faith that he had been born into. I, that was when he wrote the spiritual exercises and uh, this sushi pay prayer. Uh, and this uh, prayer uh, begins, take, O Lord, and receive my entire liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my whole will, all that I am, 
and all that I possess you have given me. I surrender it all to you to be disposed of according to your will. Give me only your love and your grace. With these I will be rich enough and will desire nothing more. Well, uh, I, I think it's, it's very interesting that at the beginning of this prayer when Ignatius is making this complete offering of self to God, after he offers his God his, his liberty, his own freedom to, you know, instead of saying, you know, I'm going to do what I want, he's saying to God, I want to do what you want. The next thing he offers is his memory. I remember when I first read this prayer, I thought, how can I pray this prayer? Because praying this prayer means that God would want my memory, that my memory would be valuable to God. And I, I couldn't imagine how that could be. I thought, God wants my memories? I've been trying to forget them. How could God want them? Uh, but the answer is that God wants everything. And uh, as, as uh, Pope, Pope Francis uh, says, uh, God most of all wants to teach us to be more loving. He wants to confirm in us the commitment we have made. And this is what our memory does. For memory is a grace of the Lord's presence in our apostolic lives. Fascinating insight from Pope Francis, memory being a grace of the Lord's presence in our, in our lives. So uh, this means that in my memory, whether it's memories of things that were happy or memories of things that, uh, that, that are sad or painful, that God is in there somewhere. I know uh, th from uh, from uh, you know my un my understanding uh, my reading uh, of the of the Bible and from the catechism where it speaks about how how God can bring good out of evil. I know that God doesn't will that positively that any evil should happen. Um, the reason why there is evil is because of uh, of the free will of human beings whom God gave with this amazing power to choose for themselves and the first the first uh, human man and woman uh, given the opportunity of of choosing to receive things everything from the hand of God or choosing to grab for themselves what they what they wanted uh, they chose for them for themselves against uh, God and that's why there's evil. Um, but uh, what um, Francis is pointing to is that in saying that memory is a grace of the Lord's presence in our apostolic lives is that even in our memories of things that, that, that are evil, either wrongs done to us or, or uh, sadly wrongs that we may have done, or evil that's just a case of a fallen world, like the natural evil of, 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 of illness or natural disaster. Um, the the, the uh, beautiful thing is that somehow God doesn't leave us during those times. Somehow he's with us, and the adventure for us is to find out 
um, where, where, where is God in those times? I say where is God, not where was God, because I think that, um, although I know that some people benefit by, um, by going over memories to see, well, where was God then, um, for myself, I'm not as interested in where God was in, in uh, times when I uh, suffered abuse or other hardship. I'm not as interested as I am in where is he now when I feel the PTSD. Um, because uh, because um, I don't remember everything in my past, but whether I remember it or not, when I feel the effects of PTSD, when I feel the flashbacks, or the anxiety, or the teariness, or the loneliness, or uh, other effects, um, then that's where I need to know, well, where is God in this? A and that's where another prayer that um, is in the first week of Ignatius of Loyola's spiritual exercises really helps me, and it's a prayer called the, the Anima Christi. Um, have any of you heard of the, the Anima Christi? A, a few people. Some of you might be familiar with it when I start to read it because it's a prayer that you'll often find in prayer books offered as uh, a, a thanksgiving prayer after communion. Uh, so uh, Ignatius of Loyola didn't write the Anima Christi, but he uh, invites the person praying the spiritual exercises to, to pray it. So it's a prayer that had a deep personal meaning for him. Uh, so. Uh, in praying this, we look at a crucifix or imagine uh, Jesus on, on, the, on the cross and we pray, soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O oh, good Jesus, hear me. Within thy wounds, Hide me, suffer me not to be separated from thee, from the malicious enemy defend me, in the hour of death call me, and bid me come unto thee, that with thy saints I may praise thee forever and ever. Amen. So the, the passage, the lines in that that really strike me are the lines that uh, in um, Latin are Intra tua vulnera absconde me, which is within thy wounds hide me. The Latin word for wounds is vulnera. That's where we get vulnerable. And so what really uh, strikes me about this as I write in Remembering God's Mercy is that this is a prayer that bespeaks intense intimacy with Christ. The intimacy is real, it's physical, and it's enfleshed. Uh, Pope Francis says of the Anima Christi that in this prayer, Ignatius uh, of Loyola, in, in inviting us to pray it, uh, places us, he places us in contact with the Lord's sanctifying body in such a way that we are hidden in his wounds and thus have our own wounds and sores healed. And it was in meditating on this prayer that I, uh, that I came to, 
to realize that my own wounds could serve as points of contact for God's grace. Are, are any of you familiar with the singer-songwriter Leonard Cohen? Um, there's a line in one of his songs, uh, there's a crack in everything, that's where the light gets in. Uh, there's uh, an image uh, of, of Jesus, a popular uh, image uh, of Jesus as he appeared to St. Faustina. Uh, it, it's called the Divine Mercy image. It's an image of Jesus with, with rays of white and red light, um, or white and pink light coming from his, from his heart. So it's the risen Jesus, but from the wound in his heart uh, come out these rays of light, the white light representing the graces of baptism and the pink or reddish light representing the graces that we receive from, uh, from the Eucharist. And uh, when, when I look at that image, I think about my own wounded heart. I'm, you know, uh, uh, I'm still on this earth. I don't have a, a glorified body like, like Jesus does. My, my wounds, even though they're, um, they're, in, they're invis invisible, um, the, still the wounds of my heart are, 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 are real. Uh, and, and so when I look at that divine mercy image, I seek to unite my own wounded heart to Jesus wounded and glorified heart so that his wounds might heal mine, so that my wounds might be a point of entrance uh, for, for his grace. When Father, well, Father uh, Raft just mentioned that I wrote my, uh, my research, my doctoral dissertation on uh, teachings concerning redemptive suffering. And one of the things that I studied in that was a, a, a letter, a, a, a letter written to the entire church by John Paul II uh, on Christian suffering. Uh, in Latin, it's called Salvifici Dolores. And in that letter, he talks about how normally suffering can, uh, it has the danger of making us closed in upon ourselves, where our suffering just eats us from, in, from inside. But he says that if we unite our suffering with, with Jesus' suffering, uh, since Jesus, the same Jesus who went through his passion and, and death is now risen and beyond suffering, that when we are united to, to him, then we are no longer locked in our suffering because uh, Jesus suffered out of love. He bled out of love. And so if we share in his wounds, we're sharing in his love. And that love takes us out of ourselves, makes us want to, to, to in our suffering, be able to um, be more present for others. Um, and this presence, it doesn't have to mean actually physically doing things for people. It can if we're well enough to, but it can simply mean to, to have more thought for other people to, because we know what suffering's like and we don't want other people to suffer and we want them to know the love and comfort of Christ. So 
we can pray for them or we can be present for them in listening to them uh, in their pain and in, and in just showing love to them in their pain. And when we do this, in our limited resources, we have the great benefit through our union with Christ of receiving his unlimited resources of the love from his sacred heart. So we find that in giving love, we don't run out of love. There's, there's more for us, uh, too. This is, how, this is how we get out of that vicious kind of circle that our wounds often threaten to keep us in. So uh, I'd like, uh, finally, uh, before I answer any questions you might have, uh, to share with you uh, something that came to me in prayer recently when I was making the spiritual exercises uh, of St. Ignatius uh, this past January. Uh, the, at the heart of the spiritual exercises is uh, meditating on different uh, episodes of the life of Christ and really placing yourself in the picture. Um, Ignatius, as I mentioned, had a great imagination and he realized that God can use our imagination to heal us uh, if we, if we uh, seek in prayer for him to guide us with his spirit and show us how we are to understand uh, the, uh, the events of Jesus' life. So uh, this particular insight that I had was in meditating upon uh, the, uh, the part of the uh, Gospel of John in John chapter uh, 20 from verses 19 through 29 when, when uh, Jesus encounters St. Thomas after, the, uh, after Jesus' resurrection. So when Jesus rose and uh, first uh, appeared to, in his risen state to the uh, disciples in the upper room, Thomas wasn't there. And so as you may remember, uh, when, the dis when the other uh, apostles told Thomas, we've seen the Lord, uh, Thomas said, uh, said to them, Unless I see in, the, in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. So in the exercises, I was meditating upon that and upon what happened after that when Jesus appeared again in the upper room and, and this time Thomas was with them. Uh, and uh, Jesus, after saying, peace be with you, to, to the apostles, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Uh, and Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So as I was meditating upon this, I noticed something that I'd never noticed before. You know, we read these Gospels um, and hear them um, read every year at, uh, at, at Sunday Mass. 
And yet it's still possible for you know, things to come up that, that we might not have noticed before. And what I noticed was a difference between what Thomas says and what Jesus says. Thomas says, says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails. Uh, um, and Jesus says, put your finger here and see my hands uh, and, uh, and put out your hand and place it in my, my side. So, um, so Thomas is just sort of obsessed with the print of the nails, the mark of the nails. And Jesus says, my hands. So for Thomas, Jesus' wounds are something extrinsic to him, something apart from him. It's like, here's Jesus, here's the wounds. Whereas for Jesus, it's not anymore the mark of the nail in my hands, it's my hands. Jesus owns his wounds. He owns his sufferings. He's allowed himself to be shaped by his sufferings so that instead of his sufferings taking away from him, his sufferings are part of him so that they add to who he is in a, in a beautiful way. Because it's, it's because uh, Jesus appears with his wounds that we are able to recognize him and to know that these are his wounds of love that he bears for us. Um, so so uh, this um, was very consoling for me uh, because I, I realized that, that, um, that um, in, in a way Jesus is teaching me with, 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 with his wounds. He's teaching me how to how to accept my wounds and how to, in a strange way, find joy with the fact that my wounds don't separate me from, from him, from Jesus, but that my wounds, in a strange way, draw me closer to him, make me more like him, and make me able to, to, um, to not only bear my cross, but to help other people uh, bear their crosses as well. Um, well, I, you're, there's more I would love to share with you, but I think uh, it's probably best if I, if I share it uh, through, through my, uh, my book. Um, but I'll be uh, very happy uh, to answer any uh, 